Good morning. This is the Daily Wrestling News for January 5th, 2020. My name is Ryan Joy, and I'm coming to you live from Minutes to Bell Time Studio on the beautiful Treasure Coast of the Sunshine State. And I am joined today once again by the salesman of fun, Travis Severance. Travis, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's true. This is our second show of the new year, so and your first appearance. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... On the docket for today, we have the ridiculously random non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day. We have Wrestle Kingdom talk. We've got some news. We had Monday Night Raw, so maybe we'll hit on that for a second. We've got trivia, and then we'll get out of here. Ready to roll? I am. The ridiculously non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. Okay, so the fun thing about today's show is that typically I go through the whole agenda of the show and I tell Travis what his ridiculously random question is ahead of time and he has a few seconds to think about it. Uh, we were so jammed, you know, jammed in pre-production talking about Wrestle Kingdom and Raw that we didn't cover this kind of stuff. So your question today is, do you have a favorite concert that you've attended live? Oh, favorite concert that I attended live. Um, you know what? I would say I got to see at the I think it's called the Pepsi Arena now, but it was the Knickerbocker Arena when I was there in Albany. I got to see Marilyn Manson open up for Nine Inch Nails, and I had not seen Marilyn Manson before, and they were not well known at the time or as uh, theatrical as they are now, Um, and they were great. And then the Nine Inch Nails came out, and the sad part about Nine Inch Nails was about halfway through the concert, somebody threw a boot on stage and knocked out the drummer, and it just turned into this like raucous ride of a concert. So it was like a lot of energy. And at that time I was like, you know, looking for something to just, it was just a sweat concert. You just sweat the whole time and it was a hell of a show. So I would say that that probably shooting from my hip without a lot of time to think that would have been my favorite concert that I can think of this morning. Last time I, last time I knew that was that that venue was called the times union center oh, times union, but that wasn't terribly recent, so it could have gone undergone a name change. It was the Knickerbocker Arena when Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble in 1992. There you go. Um, it was the Pepsi Arena when we went to Raw in 1998. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and after that, I kind of lost track. But uh, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I paused the show for a second and I went around and asked everybody, and nobody thought you'd be a Nine Inch Nails Nails fan or a Marilyn Manson fan. <laughs> I've asked everybody. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, you know what? My music taste is pretty eclectic. Um, my Spotify would probably make you go crazy. I'm a motion, kind of motion music person that listens to music based on what I want. So sometimes I'll be on the way to work and I'm listening to classical and sometimes it's jazz and sometimes it's hip hop and sometimes it's, you know, old school reggae or reggaeton even. And it's a pretty diverse listening thing based on what my mood for the day is. So, well, 
So I'm fired up from Wrestle Kingdom. I'm fired up from Wrestle Kingdom earlier this morning, and uh, you know my aggression is uh, is coming out with what I was excited about concert wise. So fair enough. I've uh, I've seen Garth Brooks in Vegas. I've seen Zach Brown band at City Field, and I saw Billy Joel's last play at Shea. So it's one of those three that I would say is probably my favorite concert. Um, this morning I'll go with the Billy Joel last play at Shea. It's kind of a uh, an occasion. So. Yeah, that's a big one. Okay, so let's talk wrestling. And let's start with Wrestle Kingdom. So um, we did not yesterday talk about night one, even though night one had been complete. So what we'll do is go through each thing. If it's a night one thing that leads to a night two thing, we'll kind of do it in at the same time. Okay. So uh, we had a 21-person Rambo, which is a Royal Rumble with pins and submissions, and uh, Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, Fale, Bushi, and Yano won that match. Naturally. Um, there were some interesting uh, approaches and strategies um, that occurred here because it was the final four people that were in the match would advance to a fatal four-way on the next night. And it's not so, complicated or confusing at all. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Bushi ducks out of the ring, and spends the entire match outside the ring while Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale eliminate everybody. So we've got three people in the ring when Toru Yano's number gets called, and it just so happens he's the last guy. So he does, on, he makes his ring entrance, doesn't get in the ring, and he's announced a winner because we need a fourth guy. This is the equivalent of the Royal Rumble 30th entry coming out and having the three men that are in the ring all eliminate themselves. Yes. Before that person gets to the apron. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for Yano. He is the defending king of pro wrestling champion or whatever they call that thing. So yes. so he, he made it. <laughs> Way to go. And so then that led into the opening contest in night two, which was this fatal four-way. And uh, the way that went down was uh, Fale and Owens took out Bushi, and then they were messing around with the referee which allowed Yano to hit them with a low blow, taking them out of the match, and then he just covered Bushi and got the win, and now he's walking around with two trophies, like Owen Hart. Or MJF with his rings. It's a similar similar style. Yeah, I mean, in classic methodical Yano style, really, he waited for everybody to clear up the ring and low blows and then took the beat down um, and and won the won the match. I mean, it was it was a yeah, I mean, you know, Travis has got the you know he's a big guy. He can't keep up with Yano's catch as catch can style. It's it makes sense. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> All right. On night one, we also had Hiromu Takahashi defeated El Fantasmo. Uh, this was your best of the Super Juniors versus your Super J Cup winner to determine who was going to uh, compete against Taiji Ishimori for the best of the Super Juniors. I'm sorry, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on night two. So Hiromu got through ELP, um, and then Hiromu won in the semi-main event against Taiji Ishimori. So um, it was a great match. The Ishimori match was better than the El Fantasma match, for sure. Yeah, the ELP match um, was was a – and I like both wrestlers individually, but the two of them in the ring on night one – did not look comfortable the way that we normally see New Japan. And I think I had mentioned when we had talked about this last week, um, 
that they had never, I don't think they had ever been in the ring together in a singles match. And it looked like it, it looked like very awkward dancing. The finish was a little bit strange and sloppy. And it's not something that you usually see from each of those wrestlers individually, but just there was, there was this lack of familiarity or trust that we usually see in the matches, especially with body types like these guys have that are a little more high fly style and stuff like that. Um, I, I did not enjoy that match on day one as much as the, the day two match um, this this morning was was really solid. Taiji, I, I didn't think he was going to win, but it felt like he could at any point in the match, and, and it makes for a really good – and they told a good story in the ring. I think it, he looks strong coming out of that in, in um, you know, since Time Bomb came back at G1 last year at the end there, I believe. Um, it feels yeah. like this has kind of set this up to this point. Um, so it's good. It's good. It was good overall. Now, ELP, the, the one thing the commentators did tell us, you know, that he had a lot of time off with the pandemic. Yep. And um, he just got in Japan very recently, and he wasn't on the last tour. So to your point, he really hasn't worked with Hiromu much lately. Typically what these guys do, and they're, they're in a whole bunch of tag team matches against mm-hmm. each other leading up on the previous tour. And that just wasn't the case this time. So Yeah, ELP definitely had the ring rust, which is too bad because they did they did bring out a new package and he had a new entrance and things like that too. So, um, you know, it was good that the fanfare was there, but yeah, definitely the in-ring work wasn't what to the caliber that, that I'm used to seeing from him or the two of them together. So to your, thing, your point, maybe it was more ELP than it was, than it was Hiromo for sure. The other thing is that they haven't announced the schedule for this year. You typically during this, this event, we find out, okay, well, here's the anniversary show. Here's when best of the super juniors is going to be. Uh, assuming it's not run at the same time as Tag League and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's usually first uh, half the year stuff. And if ELP's put into that, then, you know, we'll see him shine and maybe he'll come back toward, you know, into that picture again. Yeah, I agree. I think I think some more in-ring work for him will, will do, him, do him some good for sure. Yeah, just knocking off the rust. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, third match of night one. Uh, G.O.D. defeated Zack Sabre and Tai Chi to become the IWGP heavyweight tag team champions for the 210th time. Yeah. I think so we, we had both, we had both sort of predicted that this is where it was going to go with Saber and Tai Chi kind of tied together in these, you know, new Japan kind of does this a lot with tag teams because they don't really have a division, so to speak. Um, it's a lot of individual wrestlers that are in programs where they get together and stuff. So GOD, yeah, taking, taking the title for the historic seventh time, um, which which that's the most that any tag team has ever had the titles for. I was surprised at the end of the match that they decided to celebrate through the crowd. Um, yeah, me too. I noticed that, and I was like... The, the fans definitely did not seem to appreciate it where they decided to go and stand, and the cameras kind of panned away from them after a little bit. Um, I, that was surprising to me. The match in general was, was fine. Um, it didn't feel like... Zach to me has always just felt like a really good singles wrestler that does chain wrestling really, really well. And it, it's hard to translate that. Um, if he doesn't open the match, it's hard to translate that into, it's hard to showcase that in the middle of a tag match. Um, uh, I also so, think he's really overshadowed by Tai Chi. Yeah, oh, without, without in New Japan, they push Tai Chi really, really hard. And Saber, I mean, he has got a style completely unique to him. And he's kind of on the back burner on, in that tag team. Yeah, which is too bad. It'll be nice to see them broken up and doing their own thing again, for sure. Yep, yep. Um, 
Kenta versus Kojima. Just before this match started, uh, this was for the right to challenge for the IWGP United States Championship, currently held by John Moxley. Um, Moxley did a promo, a pre-taped promo that they aired. He basically said that this briefcase has been defended a million times, and whoever wins, I'm coming for them. Mm-hmm. So he came out with you're going to see in the somewhat near future Moxley uh, face Kenta because Kenta beat Kojima in this match. So. Yeah, which was we had kind of talked about that too with juice robinson being out kojima's 50 and actually they they did a callback on the thing that kojima and his tag partner had after the match was wrapped up and he had lost the match they said well maybe they'll challenge god because they were the ones with six title holds title reigns before mm-hmm. um, which would be an interesting match um the moxley promo is kind of a tropish old throwback dusty Rhodes used to come out as you know one more silver dollar the midnight rider with the pale horse and things <laughs> yeah. like that so it's a very american tropish thing to do in japan i thought the promo was fine um interestingly <laughs> enough it sounds like you know maybe it's going to be on u.s soil that we see that match um i, I i'm not sure hopefully the production of the u.s show is elevated if they're going to decide to do the match that it, that way, or we're going to see something on United States soil. I mean, Florida's pretty liberal when it comes to that kind of thing. So maybe we see a full show in Florida. Um, it, it, it was interesting. I think it was, um, it was good to see. I was glad that they had a Moxley spot in the, in the match. Yeah. I was afraid they were going to strip him of the belt to be honest, but cause Mo- cause Moxley's contract is that as far as I know, unless relations have cleared up and they've made exceptions, Moxley's AEW contract won't allow him to work for another company on U.S. soil. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I wasn't. But I didn't realize that. A lot that, has changed. A sure. Lot has changed. The sure. relationships in AEW and New Japan may have improved, and and who knows? That's the better really? scenario because we don't want to lose Moxley to travel for weeks. No, and, and he's he's got a kid coming, you know. Yeah. So maybe maybe they'll loosen that up a little bit. The new owner, the the, the new person in charge in New Japan, might. You know, I, I don't know. I'd love to see the Forbidden Portal opened up personally and, and have some sharing going back and forth for sure. Yeah. And Kenta lives in the United States, so it's no big deal for him to come. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. The fir- uh, and by the way, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for heel victories. <laughs> um, there might be one more. but uh, So Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated the Great Okan on night one. Um, Tanahashi got a win. I think it, they said it was the first one since October. Yeah. Um, so. I thought the match was fine. Okan is interesting to me because he does have, which is, it's interesting to say, like he has an unorthodox style. His moves are very, you know, he, he has this Mongolian presentation of this Mongolian warrior and he does Mongolian chops and he does very unorthodox moves that are strong moves. Um, and it's, and it's a style of his own. If he keeps it that way, he keep. He, I think he's a fresh presentation as far as that goes in each way. Um, as far as the match goes, I thought the match was fine. I didn't feel like it was an elevated performance by either one of them. It felt like a, a Tanahashi match with a, you know, we had some wheel issues during the course of the match yeah. and is Tana going to get over and stuff like that. I, I just, I'm not sure where you take either character from here. Right. Well, that's the, that's the question. Who knows? Like, and based on the other outcomes too, you don't really yeah. know where we're going to go with either character. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if if they're going to keep Tanahashi strong, they did need to give him a win. Sure. Because he's they've beat him. Mm-hmm. So unless they're going to relegate him to the Tenzan Oma Kojima level, which I they're not going to do that because he's too much of an ambassador for that company right now. So. Well, and I think that the the caliber of match that he can put on is still above yes. what those names can do. And his yeah. draw, like you said, his draw is more. You know, this isn't we're just you know dragging out Hogan or Flair to kind of show oh, him right. off. Like he can still wrestle a, a full match and and do all the spots that need to be done, even if he's a little bit slower pace. I don't know. I was really hoping that we were going to see. Tanahashi do this storyline angle that was kind of like the last couple of James Bond films where, you know, Bond has obviously lost a step and he's fallen off a ledge here and there and stuff like that. And like, I would have liked to seen them set something up where he was kind of making that chase, but you know, Ghetto's the genius and the booker and, and I'm not. So hopefully, well, hopefully something comes out of this. I mean, they have been doing that for majority of the year, basically mm-hmm. since the, since he lost the tag titles to, Saber and Tai Chi, he's been getting his butt. Sure, he's been getting pounded on, and like I guess, I guess I would have thought that the finale of that would have been a big win for maybe not the belt, but one of the belts, and maybe that's what we'll end up seeing at the end of the day here. Maybe he'll end up with the with the lesser of the two belts, um, as as kind of a swan song sort of thing, and then he can fight, fade out. So we'll see. Oh well, yeah, and let's let's hold that thought till the till the end of the Wrestle Kingdom because I want to come back to the sure of the belts kind of conversation um o- okada defeated will osprey um this is a big so disappointment it was a for me match uh, different match than what you normally get out of osprey i guess but um i think it's the same thing it's like which where did where does either guy go from here because we we kind of know the next program for the the world title so it doesn't include either of these guys nope nope and, and they don't they the you know they called it a special singles match, you know, and this is, this is match two. And we're going to get to the, we're going to get to another match and, and empire goes over three at wrestle kingdom. You spend all this time building this faction in like, you know, I jokingly said, well, where's the merch? Where's the merch? Where's the merch? Like we didn't see a Commonwealth Kingpin shirt. We didn't see a dominator shirt. We did like, there was no empire merch. So like, is this, we built this faction up. We destroyed them in one showing on the biggest stage of them all in Tokyo Dome. Like, I don't know how you pick up the pieces from this thing. Will Ospreay wrestled a very different style. Like, we're used to seeing the aerial assassin. I don't think he was on the ropes very much at all this match. Um, very aggressive. Took it to Okada. This was obviously a blood feud type of situation. And then we we get Rainmakered out of the out of the arena. So. It would be a Priestley, and I—I I don't know. I like, like you. I—I'm not—I'm not sure where you take either one of these two now. Um, and Okada with with the Empire going zero and three, I don't know what you do with the faction at that point. Well, you know, the thing—the thing is, they could get really motivated. They could get a lot more aggressive now. Maybe they start attacking, you know, different members of Chaos or something, or they start recruiting, you know, to to strengthen the fold. Yeah, hope. Hopefully it's not the end of it. Like I, these these are promising wrestlers. Like Osprey's obviously main event level stuff. Okan could get himself into the into a bigger picture. And and Jeff Cobb's the the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then the final match in night one was Kota Ibushi versus Naito for the both belts, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championship. 
Uh, Kota Ibushi comes away with a win here, finally makes good on his promise, which means we probably won't see him win the G1 for a third time. That's I would agree with that. And, and you know, I think I think Kenny Omega summed it up in his tweet very cleanly. And he said, finally. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it, it, this was like two years in the making to finally get the actual belts on him. Um, it, it's strange to say the the Abushi the Abushi Naito match I thought was the best match of the of night one by far, but I didn't see anything in that match that I thought to myself, "Wow, this is pretty exemplary." But you get spoiled sometimes with the style and the format in New Japan sure. too. Um, both of them are great wrestlers that wrestled a, a, a fine match to cap off that night, and the night one stuff was. For me, as a New Japan fan, I, I felt a little bit let down, and I felt like it was a little bit flat compared to what we've seen from previous Wrestle Kingdoms or previous big shows like this, for sure. Yep, yep. Um, so we'll put the pause button on Coda, and we'll come back to him, main event of night two. So we already talked about Yano, uh, Kanemaru, and Desperado. They got a win over Wado and Taguchi to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championships, uh, tag champs, that is. I don't think there's a big surprise there. Nothing, nothing well, major on that particular. No, I, and I thought, I mean, from from setting up the show, I thought that this day two setup was great. You got your King of Pro Wrestling match that was pretty good, and then you followed up with a really nice tag team match that didn't have a lot of issue or anything. It was an easy finish and stuff, and go from there. Right, and from there we did. Yeah. Shingo Takagi defeats Jeff Cobb, 21 minutes. Um, this match consisted of one guy picking the other guy up and throwing him across the ring and then going back and doing it again and again and again, back and forth, back and forth, top rope, over the top rope, craziness the entire match. We have two big giant bulls that have no quit, and I think the biggest difference that – the biggest difference that New Japan, we talk about strong style and the way that strong style wrestling is. And the biggest difference that we see in New Japan versus some of the American promotions is, and we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity to see what this could look like when we see Wardlow versus Hager this Wednesday. Um, you've got two big, giant, strong guys that are throwing each other around, that are just taking a beating. It, the pace of the match is insane, though. Yeah. We, when we see these big guys that fight each other, a lot of times as a, as an American wrestling fan, it ends up being a disappointment at the end of the day when we look at these bigger matches. That's not to take anything away from the Keith Lee McIntyre match from, from Monday night, which was really solid. Um, but this was just incredible. The athleticism and the strength that the two of these guys showed in this match in the length of time in the spot after spot after spot. And I'm not talking about flips and dips. I'm talking about power wrestling moves um, was just incredible. I, I thought if they had ended the show on this one, I thought this match was better than anything we saw on day one. And I think it elevated the matches for the rest of the evening. Um, it was just incredible. The, um, the thing is like, so it's hard for people to I think to remember that Shingo Takagi is less than one year outside the junior heavyweight division. He, it's in, it's uh, incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was a spot in this match where Jeff Cobb was going to razor's edge of him out of the ring, and Shingo kind of got away from that, pushed Cobb out of the ring, 
hit the ropes on the other side, did a flip dive over. And so like you had all these massive big moves like we've been talking about. And then Shingo's like, but don't forget, I can move. You oh know? yeah. It was, it, it, you know, it's, we see it from these guys and we see it from Cobb too and Shingo as well. And it reminds me of what Brian Cage can do in the match as well. You know, we see Brian Cage do these big power moves, but I mean, we had Jeff Cobb doing moonsault powerbomb with Shingo Takagi. Yeah. Moonsault yeah. powerbomb. Like uh, standing, right? Standing. Yeah. Yes. And then he Shingo did it back to him. Yeah. So and then uh burly guys. The, I mean the other thing there's there was, there was a, a good story to this match too because Shingo attacked Jeff Cobb's leg and when Jeff Cobb did the tour of the islands he came down on the knee and that prevented him from making the cover. Yep. So you had like those elements of storytelling in this match. So it wasn't just move, 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 move. It was also right. a story. Mm -hmm. Cobb into Islands. Shingo was near the ropes, or he couldn't make the cover because of the injury. Yep, that tour of the islands, the first one that he hit, uh, would normally have sold it. But man, he was right next to the ropes and put his leg up. And if he hadn't, that could have been the end of the match. Yep. yep. And then the, the, the match ended with Shingo hitting last of the dragon. And mm -hmm. just Shingo picking up Jeff Cobb for that move. It's not just a body slam. You have to like <laughs> maneuver the guy off your shoulders. It's a, it's a move. It's a heck of a move. And Jeff Cobb's not a small guy. For as long as they went, the fact that he pulled that off and it looked the move looked clean and it looked like it was delivered well with with the intensity that you would have had after minute one. It just is a is a um. It's a testament to the conditioning that both of those two athletes have, mm -hmm. and how good they work together hopefully we see some more of that i could see the match being run back at another point for sure i would be okay with a three with a you know them going three i have um people that i didn't know uh that watched wrestling chiming in on the on the chat. yeah i know today's a big day you got your birthday balloons in the back <laughs> there you go comments from uh, from sisters wishing mm -hmm. me a happy birthday there you go <laughs> um Okay, so shifting from Takagi and Cobb over to Sonata and Evil, Sonata got a win. We talked about this when we previewed this show, that Sonata needed the win more than Evil needed the win, and uh, he got it. He used everything as Evil towards the end of the match to set up the, the win, which he eventually got with a moonsault. Um, and that's important because Sonata would like a world championship match now. So... And I yeah. think the commentator set that up in the show in, in during the match. They're like, you know, whoever wins this match really should be kind of in line. So um, well done by the commentary team. Yeah, the, the, the story inside and outside of the match for this was was really good um, and, and, and set up really nicely. And we're left with kind of the story to tell. It's it's almost the converse of what we saw at the end of the Okada Osprey match, right? Where like this, where does the story lead? Um, Sonata was really dead set on winning that match with the moonsault, right? Yeah. Like he, he yeah. moonsaulted, he moonsaulted into the knee. He didn't, you know, um, I don't know how I would ever lose a match if they took that move out of his uh, arsenal. Yeah. usually has a guy dead to rights and then he goes for that moonsault. And loses. <laughs> I don't get it. Like just pull the leg up, jump on top of him, call it a day, you know, but he's got to just hit that mood of moonsault at the end as his, as his big callback. Um, but very, very good match. I mean, the, the, obviously those two guys are familiar with each other in the ring. Um, I thought Sonata looked great. I and, and and I thought looking at Sonata, it looks like he's put on some more weight um, mm -hmm. 
physically he looked really good in the ring uh, versus evil. And I didn't think evil looked, evil didn't look like a slob. So it's not like evil goes from here and has to crawl back and, and do anything. I mean, uh, Dick Toga took a, took a nasty uh, fall through a real table. Um, but yeah. that's part of, that's part of the, that's part of the bulk. That spot could have been, a, in fairness, you know, I will say that spot could have been a little tighter. It did look like Toga oh. got hit and then he jumped, but you know, I'm being yeah, the camera angles on that one were not were not great. I thought it could have been. It was probably the only sloppy part of that match yeah. overall was the slowness in which that was delivered. So it just it made it look a little silly, not mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. Um, we already talked about the junior heavyweight match, Hiromu with Taichi Taichi Ishimori. Then we had the main event, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White went 48 minutes five seconds, longest to- match in Tokyo Dome history. Kota Ibushi gets the win. Um, Around minute uh, 40 in this match, these guys were going absolute crazy. They hit each other's finishes. They were kicking out. Um, and these, I, I, There's something different about these false finishes, though, because you, you see this all the time. You know, where, you know, when you get a big match, you have false finishes. It's kind of a common thread. In this one, I thought any, any one of them could have been the pin. Yeah, I think we both thought Abushi was going to win this match to kind of put a bow on a, a non-exciting year for everybody. Um, so that the, the conclusion was as predicted, but there was definitely times in those last eight minutes or five minutes or so when it was out, when I, they did what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I had, I had to suspend what I was thinking. I'm like, and, and as they're happening, I'm going through things in my head going, gosh, if they give Jay the fall here, how are they going to split the belts and what are they going to do with the belts and like versus Abushi and stuff? It, yeah. It was really, really well done. Um, in, 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 you know, in a 48 minute match, sometimes you can get lost in the sauce, but I felt like they did a very good job with three acts of the match that were there. You have your, your, your act one, Jay white heel. We're running around the ring. We're doing that kind of stuff. Act two is the middle of the match with the moves going back and forth. And then you had this, yeah, you had this, you know, this, yeah. This coin flip finish with just move after move after move after move and different counts and stuff. It was really, really well done and, and a good way to, to cap off that that show. The Gato involvement, right, where Gato pulled the referee out, then Gato got in and mm-hmm. Bushi destroyed him. Bushi takes no prisoners when it comes to Gato. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, also the same thing with the commentary team. Again, they were – celebrating Kota, you know, he was whole thing is he's going to become a wrestling God and they celebrated him. Like it was a coming of a God. Yeah. It was, it was interesting too. In the beginning of the match, you hear Jay when he's going around the outside and he gives Kevin Kelly a jab and says, Oh, Kevin, I see you're wearing the blue and gold tonight. Real nice guy. And Kevin Kelly's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> I hate Jay White. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nobody. So we were talking about it in the preview, previewing the show, and we talked about it a little bit during this review of these belts splitting up. They really need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And you've got Sonata knocking on uh, Coda's door. You've got this Okada and Osprey thing where there's, you know, one of them should be challenging. So somehow they got to split those belts at this point, and and. Coda may do something like, you know, I became a god and now I'm going to split the belts so nobody can, nobody can catch him again, you know, type of thing. Yeah, no, that, that I think that's fine. Uh, the other, 
I think in a nor in a normal circumstance, I'm not sure we would have saw the double belt go all the way through Kingdom to Kingdom. Um, and I think, you know, it took some of the pizzazz out of day like the lesser belt made it might have been defended on day one, yes. um, and that would have happened, and it would have it would have put a little bit more pomp and circumstance into the day one as opposed to the finish being the way that it is. Um, and, and who knows, Koto Ibushi might not have had to wrestle an hour and a half for two days. Before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? He went 30 minutes with Naito and then 48 with... with yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of... I mean, and he took, you know, Ibushi-esque bumps in, in both the matches. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's he's iced up right now probably pretty well. All right, we are we are rocking and rolling, cruising here. I think we've put uh, we can put a pin in Wrestle Kingdom. I think we did it justice. Um, great yeah, show. Very very happy with the with the day two stuff. If you if you go back and you get a chance to watch it, um, you know if you just if you just focus on the day two stuff, I think you'll you'll enjoy the show a lot. The day one stuff. Not that there was anything overtly awful about day one. Uh, it just did not have the same kind of pop that day two did, and as a fan going into it, I was more excited about day one as a, as an empire fan and stuff like that. And maybe the finishes are what the, was part of the letdown rather than the time. I think, work I think it was for you, but for sure. Um, the other thing is just, maybe it wasn't too big for one night. You, I mean, that, that is, that is a fair thing. When we were talking pre-show with Al, I was, I was agreeing with that. You know, it's kind of like when we watch WrestleMania and it's a seven hour long show. And there's a lot of times when we think, well, you know, they probably could have done that in four or three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Transitioning out of Wrestle Kingdom, we do need to take a stop by Monday Night Raw and talk about Goldberg's return among all the 27 other legends like uh, Tatanka and IRS and uh, the Boogeyman. They were all there too. But but Raw, what really, the, end, the ending of Raw was where the meat of the news is that comes out of that show. And so Drew McIntyre gets his victory over Keith Lee celebrating grabs the microphone and then whose music hits none other than bill goldberg so goldberg walks back down through the legends tells drew mcintyre that he's been disrespecting legends which makes me loopy i don't know when that would have been but it's a, it's a hard that is a hard pill to swallow from bill goldberg maybe it's too much concussions from his football career and too many spears wrestling to undertaker. Yeah, yeah that would do it um anyway goldberg challenges uh uh, Drew for a match at the Royal Rumble. We don't have a confirmation on that, but I'm sure that's what's going to happen. And uh, from there, who knows? It's road to WrestleMania. So, yeah, um, I think that was the biggest, certainly the biggest surprise, or the I would agree that that was the main story that showed um, last night. I I think that it could that the match itself could be could be good. Um, I think McIntyre is, and we saw it in the ring. Uh, McIntyre is sized enough to be able to go with Goldberg. Um, I, I think it, it it certainly, to me, has the chance of being a much better match than Goldberg Lesnar. Um, as far as like what we're going to see in the ring, I I just hope I hope that we don't see Goldberg with another run with the belt. I hope McIntyre beats him and. You know, maybe not a super clean way or something like that, so you can protect Goldberg and his character and stuff. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what the next couple of weeks are in the build to to Rumble is as far as how they decide to take that storyline. Um, Goldberg didn't, and maybe it's just because of the size of McIntyre, 
but it felt like to me when Goldberg came out, or maybe it was the jacket that Goldberg wore, Goldberg did not look as big and as imposing as he felt like he did last year when he came back. And maybe that's just a testament to, to the size of actual McIntyre and how big he is. Well, the other thing is Goldberg will work out like a maniac if he knows he has a match. Without a so, doubt. It, without so a doubt. what you see there is probably not the final product. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, he, yeah, he will hit the gym and, and be a maniac like he always has been. For sure. 14 sessions a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Gym speak. Uh, <laughs> I have a little bit of other news. Um, so I think, you know, yes, there was more to Raw. That is really the big main story. I wanted to give justice to Wrestle Kingdom as it is, um, you know, the biggest biggest show outside of WrestleMania, really. Right. That happens all year. So, um, but I have some news and I'm going to play the news bumper because I haven't done it in a long time. So here it is. Today's news is brought to you by the Body Slam Brigade newsletter. You can get a free recap of the week's news authored by me for you for free. Sign up today at bodyslambrigade.com. Bunch of contract stuff to talk about. Um, we don't have to talk a lot, but I want to at least mention it on this show. Marty Skrull and ROH have parted ways. Don't know what that means for Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull. Of course, there should be interest out there, but he was nabbed in the speaking out movement, so um, not sure yeah. where that's going to him. It's 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 really too bad. Such a such a hot commodity um in 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 a waste of talent in the ring and on the microphone, but yeah, he's definitely got some some things that he needs to take care of. I was I was I guess I was sort of surprised that ROH went as long as they did to make this announcement to a degree, but maybe they were doing their own internal investigation that we don't know about or whatever um for confirmation, but yeah, he's he's moved on and there's a lot of speculation as far as where he lands. I don't know. I um, I have no idea who's going to pick him up and wants to run with it because it's so it's got to be somebody that's willing to deal with the baggage, the repercussions that they could possibly face. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Also, Sonya Deville returned to SmackDown last week. Now, I think people people knew that she wasn't separated from the company, but you know she had some personal stuff that happened with you know she was stalked mm-hmm. and. Um, she was really coming into her own that time last year, SummerSlam period. She yep. was kind of came out of nowhere and was getting really, really hot. And unfortunately, this cooled her off a little bit, but uh, she's back. And Corey Graves said she's been reinstated. So the storyline, she's back to. Yeah, I was surprised because I. I don't. I didn't think that it was work with the stalker stuff. I thought she was legitimately. Oh yeah, she was stalked. scared and terrified of the situation and didn't want to be involved in that and kept herself out of the spotlight. So, you know, obviously something changed in her as a person that to decide to kind of come back. And I think, you know, for the for the betterment of us as fans and hopefully, you know, that sort of stuff doesn't have to happen to anybody else. No. Um, Ethan Page, we've talked about it a bunch of times. But he has officially left Impact. Uh, Impact released a new entrance video for Josh Alexander as a singles wrestler. Um, again, who knows what the what you know Ethan Page's future is? But I'm sure they're in a spot wherever he wants to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, where everybody's kind of just fighting for for free agents these days, he'll he'll end up someplace that that we recognize him for sure. 
And Sammy Callahan, on the other hand, signed a new multi-year deal with Impact, so he's there to stay. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by that. I think I think he Sammy fits really well into the Impact mold. I think he's 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 been yeah, one, again, of the, he one of likes the best deal guys. Yeah, I just think it works out. He's got a good relationship with Demore and stuff. So I, I I wasn't surprised at that. I didn't see him going any results, and I didn't see his character really working exceptionally well outside of impact. He's had a long standing time to be able to build that character yes. to what it is and stuff. I think going someplace else, he's not the kind of moldable character that you can just insert into another roster and say, okay, he's going to have the same sort of pop that he has where he's at. Yeah. So smart move by him. Yeah. He fits into their niche really well. Mm -hmm. it, it leads us, leaves us with the contract status of Tyler, Taya Valkyrie still unknown. Um, she's supposed to expire this month. She has a title match on the 16th so we will see yeah and, and she's another one you know she i think she could she could go anywhere she wants and she may um or she may be holding out for some more money i mean perrazzo certainly got a lot of fanfare coming out of their awards sure. where she didn't and i personally i thought she was kind of the face of the women's division and then the awards came out and they shook out a different way so i don't know if that was them kind of uh, forecasting that a move is coming for her um but she's, she's been out of the spotlight all year really mm -hmm. she's she, we've talked about this on her show she's tangentially been in she's been involved all year but she really hasn't been the focal point all year right so yep it made sense to me that she wasn't you know knockout of the year or wrestler of the year but um if she resigns i, I have full faith that she's going to be pushed right at the top of that division so yeah and i guess you know not to call back to something that was it, it was just interesting to me that perrazzo got the awards that she did with her only really coming in in May, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, were you a Lucha Underground fan? I didn't watch. I didn't watch any of the Lucha Underground stuff. No, I. It, you know, I had a ton of friends that were like really excited about it and stuff, but I never got myself to the point where I went back and watched it. It's probably something that on a you know if winter yeah. actually ever comes, I'll just sit back and binge through a bunch of it. Um, but I've heard I've heard great things, and there's obviously a bunch of recognizable people there. So, so I'm in the same boat as you. But uh, I asked because Mil Muertes will be debuting in MLW pretty soon. And that's a name that people will know that, that watch Lucha Underground. Um, I don't necessarily that, recognize it, but I didn't follow it closely. So um, next time Al's on the program, he can tell us all about it. Perfect. Uh, John Moxley, we talked about already, so he's coming for Kenta. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and the other piece of news I have is WWE released a second video honoring the memory of Brody Lee. Um, this one was a tearjerker. Yeah, they all have been. I've cried more for Brody Lee in the last week or so than the, anything I can think of yeah. in the last couple of years. It was, yeah, this one was pretty incredible too. Okay. All right. News is over. We've done Raw. We've done Wrestle Kingdom. we got just a couple of things to do before we get out of here. We have trivia though. That's oh, the thing boy. we need to do. Here we go. All right. Today's trivia is all about the very first Monday Night Nitro. Okay. I'm trying to hit you with some of these WCW things so that you can maybe. You're, you know, you're in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Nitro one, huh? Okay. Nitro one. Um, okay. Of course, it was the Mall of America, September 4th, 1995. The debut edition of Monday Night Nitro. The, this WCW broadcaster made his debut that night. Was it A. Eric Bischoff, B. Dusty Rhodes, C. Bobby Heenan, 
Steve or D. Steve McMichael. Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan was there, but it was the debut of Steve McMichael. Oh, boy. That's right. They started Mongo on commentary, and then they moved him into the ring, which was a debacle. Now, Jushin Thunder Liger wrestled in the first match, and it was against this man. A, Brian Pillman. B, Dean Malenko. C, Sting. Or D, Michael Wall Street. B, Dean Malenko? It was Brian Pillman. Oh, God. I mean, what year are we talking about here? Like September 4th, 1995. 95. Yeah, come on. This is a while ago. <laughs> well, there's no disrespect. I mean, I might have a five watch. for five on 2001 trivia. He, yesterday. he goes five for five on every trivia. <laughs> um, this man wrestled Sting for the United States Championship on this episode. Was it A, Ric Flair, B, Bob Rogers, C, Sabu, or D, Buff Bagwell? C. Sabu? It was A. Ric Flair. Perfect. Ric Flair. Sting would defeat Ric Flair when Flair refused to respond to the referee's five count. For the U.S. title. For the U.S. title. Sting was champion. Okay. You're 0 for 3. You've secured your award for the day. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, we'll play starting, this out. Starting 21, 21 strong in trivia. Hulk Hogan wrestled this man in the main event of the debate, the debut episode of Nitro. Was it A, Scott Steiner, B, Lex Luger, C, Big Bubba Rogers, or D, Arn Anderson? A, Lex Luger. Um, it was A, Scott Steiner, B, Lex Luger. <laughs> so I was happy. So it, it is neither Scott Steiner or Lex Luger. It is, in fact, Big Bubba Rogers. Oh, boy. So Ray Trailer, the big boss man, who lost to Hogan by pinfall. Hogan, of course, used the leg drop. And your final question, and there's no multiple choice, um, and there's a reason, but Lex Luger made the save for Hulk Hogan when this faction attacked him after the match with Big Bubba Rogers. And the reason I can't give you multiple choice is you had limited factions at the time. So oh really can't are, we, are we doing, is it, was it Dungeon of Doom? It was Dungeon of Doom. Congratulations. One for five today. No problem. You start off with a Hawkins. Everybody has to have that. Or Hawkins. So there you go. All right. That is our show for today. But I do want to tell everybody that tonight they can join us for an edition of a Doubleheader Tuesday. We start with the Essential Wrestling Podcast at 6 p.m. I'll be on the show with Al. And then after that, Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca will ring in the new year with their NHL 2021 uh, season preview on the primetime rundown. They welcome the fourth period's Dennis Bernstein and Dave Panyota, as well as rotational fourth host regular Casey Bryant to the show. Join them starting at 8 p.m. All can be seen only on the Eastern Observer, I-95 Sports Network, Zingo Channel 198. Our show returns tomorrow and we'll have John DeConi on the show to talk about whatever happens on Impact tonight and whatever else we feel like. Yeah, so. we got a full slate of wrestling this week. It's it's insane. I mean, Wednesday, good luck. Wednesday is nuts. <laughs> Wednesday is nuts. It's got uh, Kings of Coliseum starts at 7. That's MLW show. MLW is going to be great. There. 
followed yep. by NXT and Dynamite going head to head in what should be a very competitive week. NXT should do a good number. Mm-hmm. Dynamite's been crushing them, but there was, I mean, the number last week with Brody Lee doesn't even really matter. I mean, I'm excited won. about the, the Hammerstone Kruger match as well. I think that's going to be very good. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Mads Kruger wrestle outside of MLW recently. No joke. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to give away the where and the what or what's under the mask. But there you go. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, thanks everybody. We'll catch you tomorrow. It's been our show and our pleasure. Thank you. Happy birthday. <laughs>